I'm sure like, uh, like many of you, you've, you've grown up with some very familiar traditions in your home during this time of the year. I think Christmas, probably more than any other holiday, is just full of traditions. It's one of the things that most of us love about Christmas so much. In fact, I can still remember, in fact, I can kind of even, in some regards, hear my grandfather's voice reading the traditional Christmas story. And I want to I begin this morning by doing that together in Luke chapter 2. I want to read, beginning in verse 1, Luke's account of the Christmas story. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Quirinius' mom apparently did not like him very much. And everyone went to his own town. On another note, too, dads, make sure you always pronounce Quirinius' name correctly. You know what I'm saying? You get that wrong, and you get yourself into some trouble. And everyone went to his own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they're terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. How many of you know that's, that's good news right there? The great joy that he brought was not just for some people, wasn't just for those, of, those who have it all together or those who have no doubts in their heart. This is good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. I want to share this morning from, uh, from a short message entitled, The Gifts He Gives. In fact, my gift to you today uh, for Christmas is the shortest message of 2019. You like that? Mike likes that back there. Thanks, brother. And uh, this is my gift to you. And we're hoping that uh, we're hoping that God's gift to us is a victory over the Clemson Tigers and then the LSU Tigers. We just want to beat up on the Tigers or the Sooners, whatever. No hard feelings to Oklahoma, but they ain't getting past round one. So <laughs> the, gifts he, the gifts he gives. Uh, how, how many of you can remember the moment in time when you were a child when you realized that Santa Claus is not real? Can I see your, do you remember the moment when Santa Claus wasn't real, a little bit, the, kind of maybe the season. I can remember very, very well the, the, the moment when I realized that Santa, he's, he's, he's fake. He's just a, he's just a coy. He, he, I remember it was, it, was, it was Christmas morning. I was with my mom, and she, she kind of set my gifts in front of me, and I set aside the one particular gift that, that looked like it might be the size of the gift that I had asked Santa and only Santa Claus for like, I, I kind of wised up at this point. I think I was in first grade, and I, I had figured out that I need, to, I need to strategically ask different people for different gifts so that none of the gifts overlap. And, and so, so if we digress just a few moments, a few weeks 
in time from that particular moment on Christmas morning, we've, we find myself on Santa's lap at the mall. I can literally picture it to this day. It's one of the few Christmases as a young child that I can remember every detail of. And I'm on Santa's lap, and as he asks me what I want for Christmas, I whispered into his ear, ricochet remote control race car. And he said, what's that? I remember I said it twice. I'm only telling you this, Santa. The Ricochet remote control race car. In fact, just this past week, I can, it's, it's one of the very few, if not the only gift I can remember asking for, whether it was Santa or my parents when I was a child. But, but this particular race car was so, was so impactful to me that I remembered the name of it. And so I Googled it. I went to the source of all knowledge and I, and I Googled it. And, and I found the original commercial that made me desire this thing. And, I, and we have it for your viewing pleasure. Go, go ahead and check this thing out. Announcing a revolution on Wii, Ricochet. And now that it's loose, the RC world will never be the same. Total twin body technology lets Ricochet do punishing, pulverizing stuff. Drive it like you hate it. The virtually unstoppable Ricochet. Vehicles and battery pack each sold separately. Isn't that how most men already drive their own cars? Like, that's why we wanted a ricochet, so we could drive it like we hate it and not really pay a real steep price for it. But, but I, remember, I remember asking Santa for this toy, and, and then on Christmas morning, as I set aside the one gift that, that for, for kind of my final unwrapping of this gift, and, and of course, you, you already know the, the climax to the story. I'm kind of giving it away. I, I was very disappointed when I discovered that and I didn't get the Ricochet remote control car. And I asked my mom, I said, Mom, why didn't Santa give this to me this year? At which point my mom was like, oh, you asked Santa for something different than you asked me? Yeah, why didn't he get me my gift? And Santa's not real. What? what? You, this, was, this was bad news for me, right? Like, like I mean, it was all, it was, we all kind of remember a particular time or point in our lives when we discovered Santa's not real. And it's right around that point that we started to discover that we don't always get what we want, right? And, and the older you get, though, you, the more you begin to realize that you don't always even, you don't even, you don't even always want what you want, but, but more so, you begin to, at a certain point in life, want what you actually need. In fact, I think that Christmas time is, is really in so many ways a reminder for us that God wants to give us what we actually need need. And that what we need, we begin to discover through the story of Christmas, is actually what we all really want. In a lot of ways, I think that Christmas, every single year as it kind of rolls around on the calendar, has, built, has been built into the rhythm of our lives to remind us of God's plan, of God's I'm going to do it anyway plan. In some ways, I think it's a reminder of God's plan when he is saying, ready or not, believe it or not, here I come. In one sense, we could even say that it's God's plan where he is saying, it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you think you need. I'm going to do something that supersedes even your greatest expectations. I'm going to do something in you, maybe even in spite of you, possibly even through you. And this is God's, this is God's plan. If we, could, if we could even envision it like this, I think that Christmas, think about this for a moment, that Christmas and the arrival of Jesus is in some regards like God shouting from the heavens. Ready or not, believe it or not, here I come. Ready or not, believe it or not, I've already come. 
I love the whole idea that, and not idea, but the truth that, that, that regardless of our doubts and regardless of our lack of faith, God's still like, I've got a plan. And my plan is bigger than your faith. It's, it's bigger than your, your doubts. If you've ever doubted anything before in regards to the Christian faith, if you've, if you've ever felt like you have small faith or little faith or have had doubts in your heart or in your mind, I want to encourage you this morning that you are in really good company. Most of the heroes, actually, I'd say all of the heroes of our faith, as we look at them in the scriptures and even in modern history, had a plethora of doubts. We can go all the way to the Virgin Mary, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we can recognize that Jesus even, that, that Mary rather, even had some significant doubts. Mary, she is a teenage girl. She's kind of idolized in some regards in human history. We have nativity scenes now all over the place, and Mary is in a lot of ways kind of the focal figure of those scenes. And yet Mary, as a teenage girl, the angel Gabriel shows up, and he's like, hey Mary, you're going to have a baby, but this baby's not going to be any ordinary baby. He's actually going to be like the most influential, significant human figure to have ever walked the planet Earth before. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be incredible. He's actually God. And Mary's like, what? <laughs> like you would think that this woman who now centuries have gone by, a millennium has gone by, that, we, that, that Mary was probably like, she was just, just this epic proportion amount of faith. But no, Mary's like, huh? Say it again. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to name him Jesus. He's actually the Messiah. And Mary says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Check this out. She says, um, how will this be? I'm a virgin. you got to love Mary's question here. Mary, like, like, like Mary was not like, awesome, cool. You say he's the Messiah? I'm pregnant with the Messiah? Awesome. Cool, what do I do next? No, she's like, how? I've never even done the thing that's required to kind of have one of those babies. Like, me and Joseph, we don't even stay out past 11 o'clock, okay? Like, we know the Holy Spirit goes to bed at 11, and therefore we do too. And so, that's just some advice for all the teenagers in here. But, but, but Mary's like, what are you talking about? Mary has some significant doubts even in this in this moment, and I love the angel's reply. I love what Gabriel says in verse 37. I think this is a word for us this morning. He says, no, no, Mary, no word from God will ever fail you. In other words, nothing is impossible with God, Mary. Regardless of your doubts, regardless of your fears, regardless of your insecurities, no word from God will ever fail. I think sometimes we even need to be reminded of this in our own lives, that no dream that God gave us, no vision that he's laid on our heart, no, no prayer that we pray that's in accordance with his word, nothing is impossible with God. No word from God. No matter what our circumstance looks like, no matter what the situation may look like, Mary's like, um, how? I can't have babies yet because I've never, no, Gabriel's like, no, no, Mary, no, no, this isn't about you. Just, this is about, this is bigger than you. This is no word from God will ever fail you. I think Christmas time really reminds us that Jesus gives to us. Whether we are ready or not, whether we believe it or not, Jesus gives. 
In fact, I think there's three primary things that we see in the, in the story of Christmas that Jesus gives. The first one is he gives great joy. As we read a moment ago in Luke chapter 2, the angels show up to the shepherds in the field and they say, hey, we bring you good news. What, what kind of good news? Good news of great joy. He, he comes, Jesus comes to give us joy. And if we're honest, for some of us, at some point in this past year of 2019, as we begin to approach a new year, even a new decade, we have lost our joy. There's been things that have happened. There's been storms that we face. There's been valleys that we've walked through, and we've lost our joy. We've lost our hope. We've lost our pleasure for life. And Jesus says, no, 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 my arrival is to restore your joy. And he goes on, he even says, I've come to bring peace. In, in verse 14 of Luke chapter 2, the, the angels go a little bit further with the shepherds. They say, hey, peace to all mankind. I've, there is, Jesus comes and he brings with us joy, peace, and then lastly, favor with God. And this is the best, this is the best of it all. Jesus comes to give you and I favor with him. Did, did, did you know this? Like maybe, maybe there's been some things that have happened in your life. There's some storms that you've experienced and you're like, I don't feel like God favors me at all. You, you know, I, you, you, you probably wouldn't be surprised. I was about to say you'd be surprised, but you probably wouldn't be surprised how many people feel like God is mad at them. Like God is out to get them. Like God is just looking for an opportunity to kind of smite you, so to speak. Like he's just up in heaven like Zeus with a lightning rod looking for every opportunity to kind of send one your way. Just zap them right there, you know. Weston said a cuss word. Throw that rod right down. No, this isn't, that's, that's not God at all. In fact, the arrival of Jesus dismisses theologically that whole idea. He comes to bring great joy, peace. And to reveal the fact that you are favored by God. Oh, but Jordan, you don't know me. I don't need to know you. All I need to do is know Jesus to know that you are favored by God. In fact, this reminds me. Great joy, peace, and favor with God. Reminds me of something the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14. The Apostle Paul wrote about a little more than half of the newer portion of our Bible referred to this as the New Testament. And, and he says this in, in chapter 14, verse 17. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God, God's way of ruling and reigning on this earth, is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy. That term righteousness literally means to be made right, with God because you're favored by God. To be made right with God because you're favored by God. And here's the good news about the righteousness that Jesus comes. And for many of us, this is simply a reminder. And I pray this morning that as we are reminded of the righteousness that comes to us on account of what Jesus did, it's Jesus that we look to. It's not our own merit. It's not our own works. It's because of the life, the sin-free, spot-free, perfect life that Jesus lived. And all we have to do is simply trust that he was the propitiation, which is a big fancy theological term that means substitute for our sin. You and I, no matter how hard we try, we know this. No matter how much we work at it, 
We could never live up to the standard of God. Romans chapter 3 says that for all have sinned and fallen short of God's great standard. And so the good news of great joy that the angels came to reveal as they began to announce and pronounce that Jesus is coming is that your righteousness is not a matter of your own self-doing, of your own work, of your own merit. Your righteousness is a matter of what Jesus has done for you. Because if it was up to us to be made right with God, come on, you know, and I know, if we're honest, we would all screw it up. We all do screw it up. And so here's the good news. is that your right standing with God, you, you, your, your own works or your own life or your own deeds can't make you right with God. And likewise, your own works and your own deeds and your own self-righteousness, so to speak, can't make you unright with God. And one scholar says it like this. He says that peace and joy are the little brothers of, of righteousness. That, that righteousness is kind of the, the big brother, so to speak, of peace and joy. That when you understand, when I understand, that when we collectively begin to recognize that you are favored by God, the moment that you place your trust and your faith in Jesus and not in your own works, in Jesus and not in your own self-doing, you are made right with God. It's that easy. That's the good news. Some people say, oh, Christians, they're so arrogant. They think there's only one way. But we think that that one way is the most amazing way. Because if there was any other way, we would all screw it up. But because there's only one way and he was perfect and all we have to do is simply believe. Even though we may have some doubt in our heart, all we have to do is simply say, I trust. Even though I don't have it all figured out, I choose to trust in Jesus. And when we recognize that you have been favored by God, when, when, when you recognize I have been favored by God, you can't help but live with joy and with peace. Think about this for just a moment. When you realize that God is for you, therefore, what's the matter who's against you? You can't help but live with joy and peace. It's a non-circumstantial joy. It's a non-circumstantial peace. It's not based on our situation. It's not based on what we're going through. It's based on Jesus. That even though the storm, and maybe in one sense it feels like all hell is breaking loose around us, but we, place our, we fix our focus on Jesus, we realize it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is for me and he has favored me. I think sometimes, church, we got to get back to like an old school kind of a faith. In fact, Colton can come help me. We're going we're gonna to sing one more song here this morning. But I think, I think sometimes we got to get back to like an old school kind of faith. I was literally, I was literally, <coughs> excuse me, I was literally just thinking about it this morning. My grandma, she, 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 was, uh, she would always go around just humming hymns everywhere that she was. You know what I mean? Like, like anybody have somebody like this in their life? Like she just, everywhere she went, you just, you could hear her humming some just old school hymns. And we just, we loved it. In fact, as she grew older in years, she, she, uh, she, she, her health began to deteriorate. And even then she would just go around, ah, just humming hymns. Everywhere she went, it didn't matter. I mean, as she began to, as her health just began to really quickly deteriorate at an old age and, I remember we were just all surrounded around my grandma. All, the whole family, all cousins. And we got, I got a big family. I got like 20-some cousins. We're all there. And, 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 and there she is. She's just 
can't, can't, hardly, can't hardly say a word, but she's just still just, just trying to hum some, some hymns. We had hymns playing all around the room, and she just had a smile on her face. She knew that, that, that she's about to breathe her last breath, but even death couldn't steal her peace and her joy because she knew, I have been made right with God because Jesus came. And I really think that Jesus set for us a reminder once a year where we can look to him again and remember, oh yeah, I couldn't make it to heaven on my own, so heaven came down in the form of Jesus. And I want to I want to close by reading Luke chapter 1, the account of Gabriel, the angel, making the announcement to to Mary that she's about to give birth to a son, the Savior. And it says in verse 26, that in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You have found favor with God. You're going to be with child and give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, who will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary says, how will this be? Since I'm only a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Or in other words, for no word from God will ever fail. And look at Mary's response here. Okay, all right. I'm the Lord's servant. I don't understand it all. I haven't figured it all out. But may your word to me be fulfilled. I love Mary's response. I think her response is indicative of how our response should look like today as we approach this Christmas season. God, may your word to me be fulfilled. Even when I don't understand it, even when I haven't figured it all out, may your word to me be fulfilled. Maybe for some of you, you're in here today and you don't know Jesus personally, but you say, man, I, I, I could really use that peace and that joy and I want to place my faith and my trust in Jesus even though I don't have it all figured out. And if anybody ever comes to Jesus receiving of Jesus and placing their trust and their faith in Him, and they say, I figured it out. <laughs> no, you haven't. None of us who are followers of Jesus have it all figured out. But the good news is, we don't have to, because He already does. There's something within us that says, yeah, I need that. My sin, my error, all of that which I've done wrong that has brought about guilt and shame in my life, I need forgiveness of that. It's when you go to God and you recognize your sin, you recognize your error, that God says, I'm going to make you right. And I'm going to impute my righteousness into you so that you can be made right with God. You're already favored by God. All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus to be made right with God.